Hello, I'm Michael Hainsworth. Hi, I am Anna Ferrer, the professor of economics at the University of Waterloo. And I'm Tammy Sherrill, a professor of economics at Wilfrid Laurier University. It's much more difficult for a mother to re-enter the workforce than a father. In the report titled Uneven Odds, Men, Women, and the Obstacles to Getting Back to Work with Kids, the C.D. Howe Institute has found that mothers often face obstacles that fathers don't. Children are the biggest factor for women, but not for men. When a family has a child under the age of seven, the mother is least likely to re-enter the workforce. But the research reveals that among fathers who have spent time away from the labor force, the age of the youngest child appears to largely be irrelevant to their ability to land a job. So why? Joining us are two authors of the report. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Tammy, let's set the stage uh, here. Fathers are typically searching for work because they've lost their previous job, but mothers are looking for work after staying home to take care of the kids and the household. Well, there's lots of different stories in there for both mothers and fathers. You will find some fathers who are coming back to find work after spending some time at home, and same with mothers who have lost their jobs and are looking for work. But it's much more likely the case that the fathers are recently experiencing a job loss looking for something new. Moms, on the other hand, have often been away from work, sometimes for several years, and are now looking to rejoin the labor force. So they have very, very different experiences coming in, and that's going to lead to them having very different supports as well. Yes, so there are very different stories there. Uh, for instance, there are also groups of women who may have particular difficulties. We have looked into immigrant women and they, for instance, may also have been away from the labor force for some time while the family has settled in the country. And for that reason, they have their own challenges and their own um, difficulties joining the labor force. And to back this up, the numbers show that a mom's ability to return to the labor force is linked to the age of her youngest child, but that's not necessarily the case for the dad, Tammy? Yeah, that's true. One thing we did was look at people who are making that transition back into the labor force and see how it lines up with the age of their youngest child after accounting for a lot of the other factors that would help us understand people with, with different ages of children. And when we look at dads in that scenario, the age of their youngest child just really seems irrelevant to their likelihood of making it back into the workforce, where for moms, there's a big difference across ages. When we compared moms with kids over the age of seven, they were more than six percentage points more likely to make their way back in than those moms who, for instance, have a two-year-old. And so there's a really big, important relationship there between the ages of those youngest children and their ability to make it back to work that seems to line up really well with when kids get back to school and, you know, juggling that balancing act of, of having the kids and getting everywhere uh, gets a little bit easier as they get older. As as the father of a of a young child, I didn't have to take a year off, although I could have taken a year off. My my wife had had opted to do that, and it's one of the things I substantially regret about not taking the paternal leave. That would have been a remarkable time to spend. Um, but I had the the benefit of an employer that gave me the ability to do that. Are women just not having that same sort of flexibility in their employment situation, or is it more about the duration that they're taking time off? 
Probably a little bit of both. Um, we do, of course, know many women who have that kind of flexibility in their jobs, and they make it back to work very quickly. They'll take that first year in in parental leave and, and maternity leave, and then get back to work quickly. It's the women who don't make it back quickly that tend to have a very different experience, and they're probably going to be the women who have lower wages, so that they their wages aren't going to be high enough to cover childcare costs and everything else that comes with juggling the kids at those very young ages. And so those are the women who are more likely to be staying at home and being primary caregivers as their main job and their wages aren't going to be high enough for them to be able to make it back quickly. So it's a different group of people who become the at-home parents and then struggle to make their way back into the labor market. Yeah, we have to realize that these things are all together. So you have low wages, you are less likely to have that flexibility of a parental leave. And I mean, to be... Um, Perfectly honest, sometimes the parental leave is not long enough for to to get these things working for the children, and and the costs are also. I mean, one year parental leave doesn't make your childcare costs low enough. I mean, childcare costs start going down when the kid is three, four, or five kindergarten, where you know there is more support and there is less hours and less, uh, less a lower ratio between the child and the children in the daycare center and the and the teacher. But when they are infants uh, or toddlers, the the ratio is too big and the daycare costs are just too too large to to make that transition easily. Tell me about the relationship between uh, a mother's income when she leaves the workforce to care for a child and the quality of the employment. Is, is the lower income that that woman is leaving behind tied to a lower quality job that wouldn't provide them with the social safety net that someone who is making more money would receive because they're in a, 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 a different type of job? I think that is, again, I mean, there are many stories here, We have, but it's much more likely that that is the case if you have uh, a low-wage job or a job, maybe you have several jobs because they are uh, low income or they allow you more flexibility if you have one job for some hours and, and another job for some other hours. I mean, those are not going to give you enough parental leave or enough benefits for you to, to take care of, of a child for sure. Tammy, from the report, I understand that the dad has the benefit of employment insurance programs to help land another job, but the mom just simply doesn't qualify because she's been out of the workforce too long. That's generally going to be the case. There's there's going to be a few exceptions to that, some rare circumstances where, you know, within the EI program, you might be able to find some support. But the EI program was designed with people who have lost jobs in mind. It's going to provide them with some income support, possibly some training, getting them back into the workforce. It wasn't designed for people who were away for a long time. They don't have the hours to qualify for that same financial support, the, the work history that would allow them to have that financial support, and they're still going to have difficulty finding training through those programs. Some of the provinces do have some training programs that these moms who were away for a long time might be able to access, but they're few and far between, and there's a fairly complex web of programs there to try and sort through if you want to find your way in. And then when you do, you don't have that financial support that would help you cover the child care and the transportation and everything that comes with going back to school. And so we've, we've really set up this system with your 
typical experience for dad in mind to help them get back to work very quickly, we haven't really designed the system with that mom in mind who's trying to make their way back into the workforce. Well, this clearly isn't a new problem. However, as we enter 2023 with the risk of a significant economic downturn, addressing this issue would help promote long-term growth? I, I mean, I think this is one of the things that we have to, to look at if we want to promote this sort of long-term growth. There is a substantial amount of resources in the economy in terms of labor resources that go on underutilized because of uh, frictions like this, no? that not having the right program, not having the right way to cover expenses to take care of the program. So it is, uh, it is something that we should be looking at as we head into a recession. Yeah, I would like to add to that. You know, when we we always have this long-term productivity uh, goal in mind, right? Canada's productivity always seems to be falling short, at least in many people's view. And a big part of that is just making sure that we are using our labor resources as well as possible. And when moms are having to shape their entire career around this short period of time when their kids are young and you're struggling to make that balance and and make everything work, you're going to end up not using your resources as well as you could. And so having some better supports in place helps people design their careers in a way that's going to use their talents as productively as possible. And that's going to have some really long-term benefits beyond those few years when kids are really young and things seem really tough. So the four major areas where you and your co-authors see opportunities to improve support for jobless parents, um, you're highlighting the need for policies that address traditional gender roles and wage gaps. What should those policies look like? Well, for instance, as you mentioned, uh, giving the opportunity or even promoting that parent, that father, sorry, uh, take parental leave would be uh, is, is something that is already contributing a lot and make it because that changes the way that fathers relate to their children. It makes it more likely that they will continue uh, helping more in the household. It gets them more involved. And those things are important. If, if you don't make it so um, unequal in the sense that, well, if uh, a husband takes uh, some time off, it's going to really mess up with the household finances. But if the the mom does it, it's not so bad. But if you equal the feel in that sense, then that, that can have a lot of uh, a very important contribution in terms of changing the roles and their presumptions. And those roles and the, the social norms and traditional roles, they take a long time to change, right? They, they persist for a lot of reasons that an economist is not going to try and change overnight. Right? <laughs> it would be an ambitious goal, I think, but we can, we can certainly shape policies in ways that at least support any changes that we might be trying to move towards. And, and as Anna was just saying, that's one of the things we can do there. The gender wage gap is similarly challenging, right? A lot of it has to do with this persistence of social norms where moms are shaping their career choices, their occupations, their industry choices around all of these constraints that have to do with kids. And so a big part of what needs to be done there to close that gender wage gap and balance out you know, who's doing what in, in the workforce and and in the home, that has to do with making sure we have employment equity programs in place. Employers are thinking about how flexible their workplace is to make sure that all the parents can find a way to juggle their schedules, not just one. Um, You can think about pay equity policies 
they have their own challenges as well. But even things like these equal pay labels that we've seen introduced in other places that seem to make employers work harder at making sure that there's they're working to, to close those gender gaps. These, these things can move along and certainly help a situation. Your report calls for policies that ensure affordable child care options are available. Is the federal government's $10 a day child care program just not enough? I would say it is a step in the right direction, right? So for the people who can find a space, this creates huge opportunities for new parents coming into the market, right? So all the parents coming forward as they're finding new spaces, they're finding those $10 a day types of situations and making it more affordable. So you, you get that better balance between moms and dads and how you're going to be able to shape your career. You're going to see that change as, as we keep going forward. The problem now, of course, is that we don't have enough of those spaces available with enough flexibility for different types of jobs, right? So if you're a shift worker working a 12-hour shift and it's a great job, but how are you going to juggle the daycare? That's still going to be a problem. And then there's just not enough spaces, period, even for those standard nine to five types of jobs. And so that's the kind of thing that needs to be developed over time. Um, And I think we have to keep nudging that along as well in, in improving that situation. Yeah, as someone who's who's had a small child in, in daycare, you know, you show up five minutes late past the time, you're getting dinged for it. There's very little flexibility in that world. Uh, let's talk, though, about the types of policies that would boost potential wages of women and narrow that gender wage gap further. Well, I think one good opportunity here is in training and education, right? Bringing in women into those occupations that perhaps aren't typically held by women, but also tend to be paying a lot more. Um, That's going to, you know, might involve changing the jobs themselves a little bit, but a lot of it is just on the training end, making sure that women have the training in, you know, what might be more male dominated, for instance, things like trades, being the electricians and the mechanics and and other types of jobs, which can also have a lot of flexibility um, and work well with juggling juggling family. Um, those types of things would be a huge move in boosting their wages. On the other side of that, I mean, there's something to be said for making sure that women in caregiving jobs are being paid a reasonable amount, right? There's always been that gap in the labor market as well. And so with the federal program working with provinces to improve childcare options, part of that has also involved making sure that childcare workers who go through a lot of college and training are also improving in their wages. Uh, so things like that can can certainly make a big difference here. Yeah, but that also implies some sort of change in the way we think what is what women can do and what is the appropriate training for women at all stages. So that also requires a, some sort of mindset change because most, I mean, a lot of these choices are made by women just well, because they think it's the best choice. And uh, until we change that and that's not seen as the best choice, uh, it's going to be difficult to get that different training or, or push women into other occupations or even raise the wage of caregiving professions as well. So this is a function of not just um, reskilling, but um, creating skills on day one for younger women who aren't even at the stage where they're deciding whether or not to have kids. 
Yeah, there's there's a great literature out there just thinking about, you know, what happens as young people at the ages of 10, 11, 12, 13, and how, you know, we tend to shape how they're going to see themselves in the world and how they interact with each other. And when you start thinking about where those gaps begin between young girls and boys, it seems to be at those very early ages, especially around the ages of 12, 13, 14 years old. So, you know, how we stream kids through school in junior high and high school matters a lot for how they're going to enter the labor market as adults. One of your recommendations is for financial support for job search costs. What would that look like? Well, I, I mean, uh, there is a, a series of supports um, in terms of being able to take the time to look for a job. So because that means that you are going to be going on interviews or writing resumes, or maybe you need to have some quick um, skill upgrade in something. So those are all small things that can help find uh, a new job and that require, so for instance, having for men who have lost their job, having the employment insurance benefit helps a lot because that gives you that peace of mind for those months so that you can search for a job and particularly wait for the right, uh, the right job. So you are not forced to just uh, get the first thing that comes uh, to you. So it's typically the case that the matches are better, so the employment is more stable and there is a, it's a, it's a much better solution for everybody. So all those small things that we were having mentioning all along in terms of childcare or maybe um, an additional source of income or facility with the training, with transportation, all those things can can really help to with the search for, for a new job. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially when we're thinking about these moms who are trying to make their way back in after being away from the labor force so long, even if they don't have an income support through something like EI, if at least they can find a way to cover those extra costs, the childcare costs, the financial costs associated with transportation and clothing, that little bit of support helps take that weight off of their family, makes that decision to come back a little bit easier, especially when they have to think about negotiating this with their family. And that can help provide them with a great deal of support just in those those little financial costs that add up. Transportation, as you point out, one of them. Definitely. Being able to, you know, cover whether it's an Uber or the extra gas or the the bus pass that you need to get around town to all of these interviews it adds up over the course of a month when you're seriously taking on some job search. So, you know, those little bits, they add up in a family's budget, especially, you know, these days. And when we're thinking about some tough times ahead for all families, making sure that those costs are covered is gonna help them in their their job search. So let me ask each of you, if there was one key takeaway from our conversation today, uh, what should it be? Tammy, let's start with you. I think I would focus on the importance of being able to cover those childcare costs as people want to move back into the labor force. Some moms are going to love staying at home, perhaps for an extra, you know, couple of years because that's what they love doing and that's wonderful. But you want it to be an option. You want it to be something that is a choice rather than a constraint, right? And so making sure that those childcare spaces are both available and affordable is a really important piece in making sure that we even out those odds between moms and dads for my part i just would add that i think there is a great value in in education and training as we have said and i i am 
somewhat optimistic that because of the pandemic is going to be much easier to deliver this sort of training. So training that can be delivered in small modules at home that don't require transportation or so those I mean, I think those, those can really help to if, when there has been the case that there has been a long absence from the labor market and there are some need to revamp skills. And at the same time, the type of courses that one makes available may also uh, gently foster the right skills, no? skills that were not there when you first uh, went to school or something. So you decide to take a new course in computer training or something. So I, I think there is... Uh, possibilities there in terms of how much easier it is to deliver uh, this type of education remotely nowadays, and that would be one of the things that I I would like to see. Thank you both very much for your time and insight today. Thank you. Anna Ferrer is a professor of economics at the University of Waterloo. The report, co-authored by Tammy Sherrill of Wilfrid Laurier University and Annie Pan, the former research officer at the Research Initiative on Education and Skills at the University of Toronto, is titled Uneven Odds, Men, Women and the Obstacles to Getting Back to Work with Kids. It can be found at cdhow.org. Coming to the C.D. Howe Institute in the new year, Stan Magison, the chair and CEO of the Alberta Securities Commission. On January 18th, we'll host a roundtable luncheon at the Ranchman's Club. February 7th, we'll discuss global investment trends for 2023 with McKinsey and & Company and the Ontario Municipal Employees Retirement System in Toronto. Also at the Young Street headquarters, David L. Cohen, the U.S. Ambassador to Canada, will join us for a roundtable luncheon February 9th. I'm Michael Hainsworth. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the C.D. Howe Institute podcast with Michael Hainsworth. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. The C.D. Howe Institute is an independent, not-for-profit research institute whose mission is to raise living standards by fostering economically sound public policies. The Institute is widely considered to be Canada's most influential think tank and a trusted source of essential policy intelligence, distinguished by nonpartisan, evidence-based research and subject to definitive expert review. Visit cdhow.org and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you.